0: Hi everybody. Welcome to the show. This is me, Matt Slick. You're listening
1: to Matt Slick Live. I hope you're all having a good time and a good day. And if you want, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877 207 2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. All right. Boy, a lot going on. I've been busy today <laughs> prepping the Bible study and doing some other stuff. All right. Now, look, uh, last night, um, last night I was on a, uh, on. let's see. I don't really call it, it. I thought it was going to be a debate. I, I had a lot of things wrong. Um, I thought it was going to be uh, a debate uh, where Andrew Rappaport and I were going to do something together, but that's not till March 8th or something like that. Okay. So last night, uh, I got on and I uh, was defending the Trinity, and it was on the uh, um, Standing for Truth um, I don't know uh, website. And so I went to town for five hours. This is no joke. Five hours I did that. Five hours. And it was intense for five hours. So, um, you know, I don't know if you've out there listened to it or saw that or heard. Love to hear your comments on it. I got upset with a couple of guys because sometimes these anti Trinitarians, that was on the Trinity, sometimes they're real condescending and interruptive and arrogant. I mean, really bad. They are completely unteachable. You know, they don't care what you say. They just wait till you're done talking so they can talk. There's a few of those guys on last night. It was really bad, but uh, we got past them. And then we had some good conversations with some others who, you know, denied the Trinity, but at least they were polite. So we had that uh, that going on. All right. So, um, oh, I don't see. Okay, let's see. Let's see. We oh, get in the right area. So. Whoops. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, so if you want to give me a call, 877 Let's get on the air with David from North Carolina. David, welcome. You're on the air.
2: Hi there, Matt. How you doing?
1: Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. What do you got, buddy?
2: I got a couple questions. Uh, I listened to a debate between you and Dan Barker today. And in your debate you mentioned how you converted from an agnostic to a Christian in less than 2 minutes and you yes. didn't elaborate because you were on a timer and yeah. I want to know more about your conversion story. My second question okay,
1: is Let we do that then. Let's do that believe... then. Let's do that first and then go to the second, okay? I'll do one at a time? Okay. All right. Yes, okay. uh and I've it's on it's a testimony I have on karma. And the short version is, is that's when I, was, uh, I met the Lord. It's when the Holy Spirit came on me with incredible power and holiness and just reduced me to tears. Uh, it was just an instantaneous change, instant. It was just wham. It was, and I was just on the floor, just weeping hard, uh, just moaning and groaning in agony in the presence of God's holiness. And I couldn't get my face any lower to the ground. And then Jesus was just there. You know, couldn't see him or touch him. It just—he was there. I remember it, and um, he stepped into me. He just entered it, like you know, the Bible says. You know, he'll live, can make his abode in us. That's what happened, and I was changed. The whole process took a couple minutes, where the spirit conviction lasted for—I don't know—a minute or two, three minutes. I don't know how long it was, but it was tremendously intense, and uh, that's how I got converted. Okay.
2: So I can look up for further details on your website, right, your conversion experience?
1: Yes, yes, that's right.
2: Mm-hmm. What title is that uh, conversion experience?
1: Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Karm, <laughs> let's see, Karm.org, Matt Slick's Testimony, I think is what it is. Uh, let's see. Matt. Okay. That's what Matt Slick, yeah, that's what it is, Testimony of Matt Slick. So, um okay. Oh, yeah, I wrote it there. I need to do a, a video version of it. Uh, I should do that sometime. So, anyway. Yes.
2: My second question is I'm a polytheist, and if I was searching for the true God, what criteria must I have before I begin my search? What uh, criteria must I use to determine which God is the true God?
1: Uh, Jesus is the one who walked on water, rose from the dead, fulfilled prophecy, uh, raised others from the dead, performed many miracles. No one else has done that. So therefore, he's the test. Okay, he's the test.
2: But how do you make it logically follow that he's God? I mean, couldn't there be a God above Jesus and Yahweh and... uh, uh, he just doesn't get involved in the affairs of man?
1: No. There's a logical problem with the idea of polytheism. And I'll see if I can explain it. Uh, there's a, if there's many gods of different types and different categories, then there are categories of gods. Then this means that whatever category any particular god fits into, fits into an ontological system, an ontological set, a category of gods, like there's a category of trees, a category of cats, there's a category of rocks, now there's a category of gods, which means all these gods adhere to the, to the substance of the one category, which means that there's something apart from the gods that gives them the quality of being God, which means something ultimate is beyond them because they fit into a single category, and there's one category that then uh, designates multiple gods as gods. So then they're all submitted to the category of godness. Now you have a problem. Where does this category come from? And how do multiple gods exist within it? And within this system of multiple gods, which is true, well, how do you have truth values? I can get into some sophisticated stuff with primary and secondary substances, universals and particulars but I don't want to do that right now. So see the thing is that if you have this, it's like this to ground something in truth there has to be an ultimate. The ultimate means that there's nothing greater or nothing equal to it. So you and I exist we're talking, well where'd we come from? Mom and Dad, where'd they come from? Mom and Dad, where'd they come from? And it goes back. Well, where'd they come? Well, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, if, I don't believe in evolution. Some people say evolution, and, and I won't even get into that right now. Some say you were created. Okay, fine. Well, either way, what was before that? And what was before that? Until finally, where would the universe come from? What caused the universe? There has to be a single cause of everything, because if you don't Why have does a there single, there to be
2: a single cause?
1: Because if you, if you have multiple causes, then you have multiple ultimates. And by definition, it's impossible to have multiple ultimates, which means there's an equality of multiple causations, which then means you're into another the same category problem of how do you know the category of whatever it is that causes multiple things to exist. Then whatever is beyond those gods and the created thing is what's ultimate. Do you have anything I can
2: read on your site about uh, polytheism?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's. Well, I I need to actually. I don't think I have anything on this because this is a sophisticated thing, and I've only been working on it for the past three to five years. And so, I've not really articulated it in a written form, but I think I need to. And so, what it demonstrates here, this this issue, is it demonstrates that polytheism is logically impossible because you don't have any ultimate source or beginning of them, since they're multiples. And then we get a sidestep into what's called the, the problem of the one and the many. And I won't get into that either, but it can get sophisticated. And so polytheism can't account for truth. It can't account for anything. Because where did they the, these multiple gods come from? If they're all eternal, then you're saying that there's equal ultimates of many... Uh, things. And that is logically Maybe there impossible. is, though. No, there can't, don't you, can't don't be. Don't
2: you think maybe Christian presuppositions no. lead you to believe there's only one God when there may be many?
1: Nope, there can't be. Let me show you another way, tackle it another way. The laws of logic, uh, and I'll try this, you know, like the law of identity, something is what it is, the law of non-contradiction, you know, the statements, you can't contradict each other and both to be true. Basic statements like this are, they occur in the mind they only occur in the mind. They don't occur under rocks. Alright, well these laws are called abstractions. They occur in the mind and they're universal. Where do they come from? If they come from a single universal mind then everything makes sense. If they come from multiple minds then we have a problem of why do the multiple minds think the same thing and how can they be the source of these Abstract entities called the laws of logic and they can't Because if they're identical in their minds, then they're not polytheistic But if they're polytheistic which god or gods or how does it work are the conditions by which the single? abstract entities of the laws of logic have their existence and polytheism can't what I was
2: asking is how do you determine between all the gods which one is the right one because well, even but, uh, Jehovah or Yahweh admitted there are other gods besides him. He says, uh, "No, he did not. Uh, you shall have no god before me," and that sort of acknowledges on it that there is other gods beside him.
1: No, what he was saying in Exodus twenty, he was saying, "You shall have no other god," because they believed in many gods. They did not that there were gods, but they believed in many. Have none other besides me. And Isaiah forty three ten, forty four six, forty four eight, forty five five. God says. There aren't any. He doesn't even know of any others. So the Christian God Yahweh is saying there aren't any others. He's not even aware of any others. So, okay. So when he says, "Don't have any gods before me," he's just talking to the to the Jews, saying, "Don't follow false gods and other gods." And even in in uh, Galatians four eight nine, when you did not serve, you served by nature those which are not gods. And so he's talking about those the pagans who who believe in other gods, but they're not really gods. So, by the way, man, this. I got
2: uh, one more question to ask you. Uh, if, if you want to elaborate on that, fine. But uh, I need to find out how to uh, hear you on the podcast. I got you, you on the screen right now on my laptop, and I don't know how to turn on the sound. I'm sort of new with computers, and uh, I don't know how to turn you. I want to listen to you off the phone. Finish what you're saying because uh, okay. I'm a little. Struggling to try to hear you on the laptop.
1: Well, do, you Macin- up. do you have a Macintosh? Oh, you or do go. you have
2: can, a Macintosh P- I do I, I got a, a Windows 11.
1: Um, Windows. Okay. Okay. Let me hold on. The bottom right-hand corner of Windows 11 is a is a speaker icon in the system tray. Okay. You right mouse okay, click. Yeah. You. And you go to I sound settings. Uh, okay, good, and that's where you go to do that. I used to teach computers and stuff. So look, here's the thing that's that you got to look at. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Lord, he f- fulfilled prophecies in the Old Testament, all kinds. And he raised people from the dead. He spoke, and a, a storm obeyed. He commanded others to come forth from the dead, and they obeyed. This is him. If he is, as he says, God in flesh, then you would expect that his birth would be special, born of a virgin, after prophecies fulfilled about this. Yeah. You'd expect you his life would be special. I, I, am not,
2: I don't have Christian presuppositions, so I can't assume Mary was really a virgin. Do you follow I'm what I'm saying? You, I, 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 I hear, have different presuppositions I you. than you do.
1: I, I know, but I'm. I, but look, if God's going to become one of us, wouldn't His entrance into the world be special, and wouldn't His I life would here be so. special? Yeah, I would. Think and, his so, yes. will, and His life, yes. And His life would be special, and He could rise from the dead and do miracles. Would well, that make sense? That's exactly what Jesus did. You see? Yeah. Oh, hold on, we got a break. Okay, hold on, buddy. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to the show. And like I said earlier, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Uh, I don't know. I guess we lost him. Uh, maybe the producer could activate him if he's there or not. Looks a little strange on the screen, so won't worry about that right now. Let's get on the air then. To Buskman from Ohio. Eh? Buskman, welcome. You're on the air.
3: Hey, Matt. I just want to thank all the uh, Ohio senators that uh, vetoed, that overrode the veto of Governor DeWine's uh, veto and as allowing our children to be just as God created them and won't allow boys to play in girls' sports here in the state of Ohio. Go, Ohio. God bless. Um, I got a question, Matt. Calvinism versus Arminianism, and I guess, brother, there was a book by a uh, Mr. Dave Hunt. Um, I I let a friend of mine know, Matt, that I was a Reformed theologian, and it, it broke his heart. Actually, he he was he was actually concerned. Yeah, and I love this man, Matt. I love him. He's a dear, dear friend of mine, and he's like, um, you got to read Dave Hunt's book. So, Matt, if you wouldn't mind, and I can take your answer off the air, sir. I don't want to take up a whole lot of your show. Well, well, hold on. No, no, Stay on the air. Stay on the air.
1: Stay on the air. But go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Stay on Um, the air. I
3: I will. I will. Thank you, sir. Um, Could you briefly go over the uh, main points of Reformed theology and Arminian? You know, we choose to walk with God. It's our choice. Could you briefly, because he is a very learned man, Matt. And you okay, can explain listening? it better than I can. Really. Is he, he, listening? he probably is, sir. Okay. He probably is, sir.
1: Yeah, I would not trust Dave Hunt, first of all, to be very knowledgeable about what Reformed theology is. Um, I've not been impressed with him in some other areas, but um, I'm very qualified to be able to speak on what it is and defend it. And, you know, I. I I have no problem. I'll be glad to talk to the guy, you know, over the phone if he wants to ask all kinds of questions. And then I can ask questions that I, I don't believe he'll be able to answer from his Arminian perspective. Now, before I tackle this really seriously, I want to say that I believe Armenians are Christians, and you don't become a Christian by becoming a Calvinist, and Calvinism is not the gospel. So that's the way it is. Now, I'll be speaking at a Reformed conference uh, next month and uh, in outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So he's speaking on, believe it or not, Calvinism and the gospel. All right, so what Calvinism does is simply look at the scriptures and recognize certain aspects. For example, Reformed theology, Calvinism, Reformed theology recognizes the sovereignty of God, that he can do with his creation as he desires. It, he's the king, not us. And we also recognize that he elects people, and we know that from the scripture because he says he elects. Those whom he chose, he also um, uh well, we have been chosen from the beginning for salvation, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. Uh, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, Acts 13.48. Now what Arminians tend to do is, uh, they, in my opinion, they introduce humanist philosophy you know the scriptures, man-centered ideology. What they'll say is well, God looks into the future or he knows who will pick him under certain conditions and he picks them. That is a violation of the aseity of God and the independence of God and the non-contingency of God. Because God himself does not make choices based on our goodness. That would show partiality and that's rejected by James 2, 2 through 4. So what we would say is, as the Bible says, in uh, Isaiah, assuming Jeremiah 17:9, the heart desperately wicked and deceitful, no man can trust it. Or uh, Ephesians 2, 1, it says that uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, 3, we are by nature child, uh, children of wrath. Uh, Romans 6, t- uh, 14 through 20 says that the unbelievers are slaves of sin. And uh, Romans 3, 10, 11, and twelve says that uh, the unbeliever doesn't seek for God doesn't do any good. And First Corinthians two fourteen talking about the unbeliever says he cannot receive the things of God. So the Bible says that the unbeliever is a hater of God doesn't seek for God uh, is wicked is deadness sins by nature child of wrath cannot receive spiritual things. And so we know that that is correct because that's what the Bible says. Then we ask the question, how does someone like that just believe the gospel? They can't because if they could just of their own free will, then Jesus would not have said something like uh, in John six sixty five. he wouldn't have said to you it has been, uh, excuse me, yeah, to you it has been, you, oh, you cannot come to me unless the Father grants it to you. So if you can come to God just by your own wisdom and your own ability in your enslavement to sin, then why did Jesus say, You can't come to me unless it's granted to you by the Father? In John six sixty five. And why is it then that uh, you know God is one who grants that we have faith? Philippians one twenty nine. And people say, Well, they just believe of their own free will. This is humanist philosophy. Now, we're not saying that we don't have free will. Calvinists believe in free will. It's just that they believe that free will is under the sovereignty of God. He works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1 We're free, but people are only free to act in a manner consistent with their natures. And the unbeliever's nature is a hater of God, doesn't want to seek for God, doesn't do anything, etc. And so God regenerates people by his choice. He causes us to be born again, 1 Peter 1 3. We're born again not of our own will, John 1 13. And as such, uh, because of that, we're able to freely choose because God works in us. Well, people say they don't like that idea. Well, I don't care if they don't like it. That's what the Bible says. I'm quoting the scriptures to show you. And then we can go to Romans 9, 9 through 23, where it clearly teaches the sovereignty of God. And no, that's not about nations. It's about individuals, because individuals are the ones that are spoken of there. And the word vessel in there, in Romans 9, 22 through 23, vessels, when it says a vessel, it always means an individual. And and I've gone over this a hundred times with people. And so what we believe is uh, also an eternal security, because God chose us from the beginning, uh he he did. Second 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, you've been chosen from the beginning for salvation, and before the foundation of the world, God chose us in him, in Christ, chose us, and uh, that we would be saved, that we'd be predestined to adoption as sons. So he's the one who did all this stuff. We don't want to take credit. God gets all the glory. In Arminianism, and let me exaggerate a little bit to make the, the point in Arminianism, it's up to you and your free will. All you need is just the right information and it's up to you. And so you will decide and it's up to you to believe and it's up to you to continue. It's humanist philosophy is what it is. And so I don't say Arminians are not saved. I say that Arminians just don't have all their dots connected uh, theologically. And um, I can go on quite a bit more but I won't. Okay? How's that?
3: Okay, so here's what here's what he said. is He goes, how can God destine humans to go to hell? So could you answer that how? part, Matt?
1: Oh, but, yeah, I could. Uh, well, I don't know. You know. I mean, I believe that God works all things. He even makes the wicked for the day of evil. I believe he makes the wicked for the day of evil. Okay? Maybe he's saying, no, he doesn't. Well, let me read Proverbs sixteen four. The Lord has made everything, even for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. See, I just quote what the Bible says as though it's my words. And people say, no, I don't agree with that. And then they find out that that is what it says. And then they reject it. What if God, this is Romans nine twenty two and 23. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience, vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Now, anybody would say, well, if God doesn't do that, then you got to deal with Proverbs 16, 4 and Romans 9, 22 and 23. we got a break, so we'll get some more notes from him. He should just call in. <laughs> I'm going quickly on this. I'll have hey, we'll be him right call back. You, Matt. I will have Hold. him call you. Okay, yeah. And stay in line, too, okay? Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages.
0: It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Let's get back on the air with Buskman.
1: Are you still there?
3: I am still here, Matt. All right.
1: All right. Now, I know I went through it quickly, but uh, the uh, basically all the objections that Armenians raised to me, I can answer. And then when I ask them uh, difficult questions, they can't answer them. And they don't know that there's difficult questions to be asked against their view. And I know how to ask them, I know what they are. So if he wants to call in and have a friendly conversation, I'd be glad to to do that or field questions about that or teach on it sometime, okay?
3: I greatly appreciate that, Matt. I, he, uh, he listens to your program, he Good. loves your, uh, your show. Um, but he did say to me once, Matt. He says, "I just can't agree with him on the idea of reform theology." So, well, yeah, you know, yeah, God's sovereign, we're not.
1: Yeah, God's sovereign, we're not. Right. And then go to Colossians two fourteen and yeah. see it. See what Colossians fourteen says because it's an incredible verse. Colossians two fourteen. Sound good, buddy. All well, right. Anything else? 14. You got another question or no.
3: comment? That's it. No. You are awesome, Matt. Uh, thank you, Stu Epperson, for the Truth Network here in Dayton, Ohio, that we get to hear Matt Slick live. Um, greatly appreciated, Matt. Love you,
1: brother. Amen. God bless. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. All right. Ooh, there we go. Hey, we have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, you can. 877 207 2276 let's get to kevin from ohio uh kevin welcome you're on the air thank you can you hear me okay yes i can yes i can
4: mm-hmm. okay just wanted to make sure you never know what's a cell phone i live in a rural area i i've got right. two questions for you i've been a, this is my i'm a first time caller but i've been reading the karm articles for for more years than i can uh i can name big fan uh you were talking Monday uh, about women passers, and I, I agree with you completely on that, but you hit on something that I had suspected, uh, but you, you, you hit it rather quick, and I would like you to elaborate on it. You had mentioned the progression. Uh, I can't remember exactly the numbers you gave, but something to the effect of uh, – female churches that affirm female pastors within a generation or two tend to be gay affirming the percentage of that and i would like you to elaborate on that and then i've got another question not related sure. that i think will be a maybe a little bit tougher but i'd like you to elaborate okay. on that because i found that
1: you found that <laughs> you found it what are you there oh maybe we yes yes oh, okay nope. um I wrote these articles uh, more than 10 years ago, so it's hard to remember exactly where because I did my research. But if you go to CARM and you go to the section on apologetics and then you go down to women in ministry, you'll see a lot of articles that I've written on this topic. Yes. And uh, in there, if I remember correctly, uh, let's see... um, I'm looking at the articles and uh, excuse me let's see... I believe it is denominations, women ordination and other errors. So when you click on that I don't see the number percent there which it might exist someplace else but there is where I did the uh, a chart or chart or table where I go through denominations: American Baptist, Anglican, so American Baptist, for example, ordained women started in 1964, and then approved homosexuality in the year 2000. Now, Christian Science has already ordained women, and I don't have any—I don't have any stats. Excuse me, listed there. The Episcopal Church uh, in 1976 ordained women in 1973 uh, supported abortion, 1996 supported homosexuality. The Evangelical Lutheran Church ordained women in 1970 and 1991 promoted abortion and 2006 homosexuality. Now there are other groups that don't fall into that like National Baptist Convention which ordains women 1895 but I couldn't find anything supporting homosexuality. So it's not like every one of them does it. The PCUSA uh, they started uh, ordaining them in the 30s and/or 50s, depending on how you want to divide and what they say. And in 1987, started promoting homosexuality. And so you see, it just goes on, and it's it's there. And I think that's where I I uh, yeah. you know, it'd probably be worth it for me to go through and do another update because it's been over 10 years, you know, since I've written that. And so there's the the uh, information.
4: Okay. I think that'd be great because you know you're you're. Monday, when you were talking, about, you were your primary focus. You were answering questions about female pastors, so this was really a mm-hmm. a rabbit trail. You just kind of you touched on and didn't go down. Mm-hmm. It it really intrigued me, so I I, I will look for that mm-hmm. article. Uh, my second question, this one, a little bit more difficult. I I I love Bible study. Uh, I, I'm I'm not when I say I'm good at. I'm not saying that I'm good at. I'm comparatively when it comes to like the okay. historicals, the uh, the Gospels, mm-hmm. the epistles. I don't struggle with them nearly as much as I do with the prophetic books or the poetic books. And I'm just looking for some, maybe some generic advice to help make those a little easier to understand. Because I, I said, compared oh, sure. to the other ones, the ones that have, I guess you say, more hard facts to them, are just mm-hmm. so much easier for me to wrap my head around. But the the prophetic and the poetic, I'm not a poetry kind of mm-hmm. guy, you know. Uh, so just some generic advice on, on maybe wrap my head around them a little better.
1: Sure, uh, easy, because I'm not a poetic guy either. So if you really want to understand them better, it's easy. Get on your knees and always be praying that God would open up the truth of his word to you. And you ask him to teach you. And over a period of time, he will open the doors and give to you what you need to understand those things better. Okay? I can't can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> Are you there? Works, yeah? yeah, a little bit. I'm, I'm still you can't, here. What? Yeah, go ahead.
4: I said, I can't argue with you there.
1: Yeah. There was a uh, there was an old... I'm trying to remember his name. He, he wrote a whole commentary series, I think, and Charlie, if you remember Charlie, he was the guy who uh, taught... Um, oh, man. Oh, wow. I hate this. Uh, Barnes, Barnes, Peter, no, anyway, anyway, there's a guy, I try to remember his name, and it's been so long since I had to draw this fact up. He had no college degree, no seminary training, and he was one of the best exegetes of scripture. And he said what his technique was, was to spend time on his knees asking God, as you read through, teach me. And uh, I never forgot that, Okay so
4: it's 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 amazing you know those things but sometimes you have to rehear them you know what i mean you just need to need a need a reminder to to start start there and 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 work out from that point but, uh yeah i
1: right. appreciate it
4: very much thank you
1: you're welcome man no problem i All
4: i right. will be I'll, I'll be calling again i i, I appreciate this like I a first time caller but i've been using the articles for a long time and uh i will you'll, you'll be hearing from me again
1: All right. Sounds good, buddy. God bless. Thanks, Mike. God bless.
4: Bye. You too.
1: All right. Hey, guys, if you want to call me, and girls, if you want to call me, 877-207-2276. Donald Gray Barnhouse. It was either him or the teacher of Donald Gray Barnhouse. I'm trying to remember, and thanks for that, Mr. Bill. That was the name, one of the names I'm trying to remember. But that's a... It's a one of those trivia points that I got back in the early eighties. <laughs> so it's like, whoa. You know, uh, I had to rip the cobwebs out of that one in order to uh to to make sense of it. Okay, let's get on the air here with Alberto. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air.
5: Yeah, good evening, Mash Lake. Should the question should Christians mock unbelievers and, and their tragedies like the draw watching them be all drugged up and alcohol or or they're all having addiction with cigarettes like that. They, they mock us when a believer pastor falls in sin, they start mocking them, making fun of them on, on TV shows. Should Christians do the same thing to them when they no. mock the unbelievers? No,
1: no we shouldn't be uh, mocking of them. Uh, the Bible says in the last days, mockers will arise. So they will hate the things of God. And we are not to return evil for evil, but if uh, you know, they slap you on one cheek, turn the other. Were to show love and patience with them as much as possible, uh, and you know, that's so, a, it's a so general So, so the rule.
5: unbelievers, okay, okay, go ahead. So the so unbelievers, so the unbelievers get that they mock the Christians, but then when tragedy comes, who who they first run to? The Christians, right? They don't run to the to the very mockers, well,
1: right? I, I, don't know. Know, I, mean, I can't mind. say, I can't say all do or don't. But how Mm -hmm. Christians are supposed to behave with unbelievers and with sinners within the Christian church is is this way. I'll I'll read it to you, okay? This is how it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be done. He says, uh, love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. We're supposed to be living that, and it's not easy. Hey, hold on. we got a break, okay? Hold on. Hold on, buddy. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back.
0: It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. We're kind of—I'm yawning between the breaks—and we are—we're um, talking to some of the people in the chat room and stuff like that about the five-hour epic thing I did last night defending the Trinity, and uh, it was a lot of fun for me. Uh, there were some real rude, obstreperous uh, people, but uh, any rate, okay. Let's get back on the air here with Alberto. Alberto, you still there? Oh.
5: Yes, sir. Yeah, my question is, too, is, like, should Christians make fun of other Christians because they're exposed to sin? I mean, even though it's not no. like they claim, preachers claim to claim no, preachers or no. claim to the government of sin, but right after it's, all, it's all rigged up and set up a gossip, or should Christians mock, attack other Christians?
1: I mean, they, you have so many ask. different things right there. If you did one okay. question that was a simple question instead okay. of who, why, because, that, and then you go on, okay. I don't know how to answer that kind of question.
5: So, in so other words, should so Christians sure. uh, attack other Christians, in other words? Or, or depends or on what
1: it is. Well, oh, oh. a <laughs> Ask a simple question, yes. then. Hold on, okay? Okay. Should they attack other Christians? Okay. Well, it depends on what's going on, yeah. because if they're rebellious and they're in sin, then, yes, they should do that. Not publicly. You should go to them privately. You do it in order. Okay? All right? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah.
5: Oh, wait, wait, before you go, what, what's that thing you're talking about just now about that five hour Trinity thing? What is that? It's on, it's on YouTube or something? Or what?
1: Yeah, it's on standing for truth. Uh, I thought it was going to be a debate and, and you know, it's, I didn't know so I wasn't defending the Trinity and it was on, is the, fa- the, is Jesus the father or is the father the, uh, Jesus or one of those. And, uh, well, it's easier to say, no, he's not, you know? And so uh, we get on there and, and, um. And Donnie Mabinski's a great guy. Uh, you know, I find out, and he told me. I just got so much doing. It, it's like whatever. You know, I forgot. And he goes, "We're going to have people come in, and like 200 people were waiting or something like that." And because uh, fire questions at me, and they did. It was on for five hours, and uh, some of the guys were just obstreperous. I mean, I, I, one guy kept interrupted me over and over and I, and I finally said you got to stop doing that if you ask me a question and he'd interrupt me and I'd say would you please not interrupt me he goes I'm not interrupting you and I go dude I'm, I'm I said he goes I don't interrupt mm-hmm. you I said you just interrupted me while I'm asking you not to interrupt me you know it was, it was like that mm-hmm. and uh, then another mm-hmm. guy came on and he he was even worse. He had no interest in dialogue. He only had interest in, mm-hmm. in t- telling me what the truth was, and I had to submit. It was just stuff like that. It was There were you know, some jerks. But uh, then with some other guys who didn't leave the Trinity came on, and we had good discussions. Where
5: is that at? is that at?
1: Well, if you go to, uh, I believe if you go to org forward slash calendar, uh, it should have okay. uh, the link there for for yesterday. Let's see. Calm.org calendar. I'm testing it out right now. And uh, uh, let's see. Well, how come it's not there? It was there. It was there yesterday. Okay, Laura, what mm-hmm. happened? Um, it was there yesterday. So unless this is only hit the weekly, got to hit the weekly thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I'm confused. It was there yesterday. I don't know why it's not there now. Okay? So mm-hmm. just go to uh, Standing for Truth. Look for that. Standing, and for, a truth. standing for Truth okay. uh, 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 on YouTube. Just type it. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Uh,
5: YouTube, okay? Yeah, I have the same problem too. With my deacon and church has to go up north. He's constantly interrupting me. He's not willing to hear what I have to say. It's not when they're really willing to listen. They can't have a dialogue like with people like that. They're not willing to, they don't want to respect your views and stuff. They just cut you off and scream and yell. I have a same yeah. problem, too. Church has to go to.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. It does thank happen. You. Yeah, I found the URL. And if you go to Sending for Truth on uh, on there, uh, Open Debate is Jesus the Father. Okay. Matt Slick and stuff like that. So okay. there it is. Okay? All right? On YouTube. Okay, all right? Thank you.
5: Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. I'll share all with like some God friends of mine and I, you know all that. Oh, okay.
1: Bye. Yeah, I actually got upset with some of those guys. Wow, I actually did. I got upset with some of these guys. I told them to stop, you know, because they were so bad, so rude. Hey, let's get on the air with, let's see, that'll be Tamar from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air.
6: Hi, thank you so much. So You're I welcome. was calling in, it's my first time listening in, and mm-hmm. I, you know, just listening in for the short amount of time, one of the questions that arose was, you know, um, where does it come into play, or how important do you feel like it is when it comes to obeying what Jesus has commanded when he said, you know, to go out his last, what he commanded was to go out and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you.
1: It's very important because he said it. We should do it. Yep. hmm
6: So what does that look like? How do you, how does, how, how does that get explained? And what is that from your perspective? You know, how would you say to a new believer, what does that look like? Because I was listening to the last gentleman, um, also, and part of the, the, part of, you know, the church, um, part of the church's job is to instruct, to correct, right? Um, and also, well, you're doing, to, wait, 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 wait,
1: you're doing several questions now. So I'd like to do one at a time because because you have good I'm questions. Sorry. So that's all right. It's all right. So what does it look like for us to make disciples? Well, it can take many forms for different people. So me, for example, I do radio, I do debates, I write books, I do website. But what if you have a a, a mom, I'm just a good Christian mom raising kids? is that making disciples absolutely yes it is and if she's raising the kids in a godly way what about a, a mechanic uh, or a, a waiter a waitress see they have jobs and they're supposed to do them unto the Lord and use their giftings whether it's financial or prayerful or by hands going out and trying to evangelize now they can go door to door, to door if they want or they can go on the net and do it like I do or they can be supportive of people in ministry they can tithe uh, and then they can give uh, tithes and offerings to help support ministries that do that there's lots of, of a variety of ways people I, I remember once i loved this this was my favorite ones. when we had babies you know my wife and i had babies we found a a, a ministry mm-hmm. of women and i just loved this they would knit little caps head caps for the bald babies and take them to the new moms at the hospital, you know, and they would use that opportunity to witness. I thought that is awesome. So it can be different for different people. Okay. There?
6: Okay. So it's different for different people, but Jesus, mm-hmm. he gave like um, specific instructions. Like, so I do agree, you know, that, um, when it comes to, when it comes. To, you know being a mom you know maybe you have to you have to think outside the box but you know making disciples um, is is more than it's teaching mm-hmm. um being a student you know and mm-hmm. in order to teach someone you know you have to have a relationship right and yes. I think about like when I look at the Bible and I look at the word and I look at how Jesus taught people one of the things was he was an example, and so they followed him. Um, yes. And that was, he gave the example of what discipleship was. Like, he mm-hmm. even talked about he did what pleased the Father, right? So, even Jesus yes. did, he was following what the Father did. And so, even yes. though, like, when you know, your tithing is different than discipleship because tithing is giving and all, giving of 10% of, the, of your money, whereas discipleship
1: okay. is, can I ask what church you go to? Teacher. Can I ask what church you go to?
6: I go to a church called Newness of Life. Called what? It's called Newness of Life.
1: Newness of Life. Is it Church of Christ, by any chance?
6: Nope, it's non-denominational. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Mm.
1: So, because, I won't tell you why, but, um, okay, so the church as a whole... The church you go to, is the pastors are supposed to equip the Christians for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4, 8 through 12. They're supposed to do that. And a lot of pastors, in my mm-hmm. opinion, are not doing that. They're just babysitting them. So they need I to equip be. them with doctrine, with knowledge, with how to evangelize, with all this stuff so that they can start doing yeah. that. So when they do their yeah. things, whichever way that the Lord ordains for them, that they would then hopefully work with them. And disciple them on a regular basis. So for tonight, for example, I teach Bible study, and people come over and people watch. I do radio; been doing radio for twenty three years. That. So there's different ways of discipling.
6: Mm-hmm. So you, that okay. you said just now, I love what you said just now because you you made it a point to say that people come to you to your house and they mm-hmm. watch you. Um. So yeah. that would be more so discipleship because. You're teaching them, right? You're watching them, yes. right? And you're getting you're giving them scriptural-based teaching from mm-hmm. the Word. You're teaching mm-hmm. them how to right live before God and things like as an example. So that's a little different than you know you giving for someone or you caring for someone you right because if you're doing that, I mean, those are acts of kindness. Okay, okay, right? hold God wants on, Okay, to love and be kind.
1: I got you. Do you have another question though? you have a, a question related to all of this?
6: Yeah. So my question was just centered around, you know, what does, does that, you know, true discipleship, you know, look like? How does that, how important is it to obey? How does it look, what does it look it like? Not based off of like your, yeah. So like, what like, does true discipleship like look like? Yeah.
1: Yes. Like I said, it's different for different people because different people have different abilities and callings by God. The church as a whole is supposed to equip them to be able to do what they can where they are. It doesn't mean you always, in every instance, everybody has to have people that come over to their house or that they're discipling like that. It doesn't mean that. But it can mean it for some people, but not for others. Different people have different uh, needs and different abilities and giftings. But overall, that's supposed to happen. Okay
6: discipleship Mm -hmm. is is that what you're saying
1: yes if you have a mom for example who's raising kids at home and that's 90 percent of her life right there and i'm not knocking that's a wonderful thing is she going to build and disciple a bunch of other women maybe maybe not you know my wife for example she has medical issues and when she was raising our kids and i was working she wasn't able to go do a whole bunch of stuff because she physically couldn't do it she has some rare conditions And so, she her job primarily primarily was to was to you know be with the kids. You know it was I went to work. You know that kind of thing. So her situation's different than mine, or yours. So we can't say one size fits all. Well, the instructions that Jesus gave was to the church as a whole, and how that works with individuals is different because you go to First Corinthians 12 and 14, you will find that different people have different giftings, and. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, but it. the so giftings—do
6: they, they? He didn't reference the giftings when he gave that instruction. He just said to obey him and to teach those to obey I, him. I, I got I you. Think
1: that, I got you. But the yeah. thing is, the scriptures as a whole tell us that some people are gifted in different ways by the work of the Spirit. So we take the whole of Scripture, and so different people have different. Yes, callings do. Different
6: I times. agree with that. You do take the whole of this, of the Scripture. However, you know, I. I'm, I'm i'm just i'm trying to get understanding like from your perspective just on that because you know that, i i don't you. you know i'm not i don't live your wife's life side so you know i can't speak from necessarily that perspective um but i i can speak from perspective of being a mom and a wife and and all that and i think mm-hmm. that um that jesus sees your situation and and that he makes a way for you to obey him
1: Yes, he does. That's And what it's I'll different say. for different people at different times. And we should all seek to serve our Lord Jesus wherever we can and mm-hmm. to expand the kingdom of God. Okay? All right? And there's the music. we got to get going there. Okay, okay Tamar? Right.
6: Okay. Thank you. All
1: right. God bless. All right. Sorry, Ann from Virginia. Why don't you call back? We could talk about that. About the poetry stuff tomorrow. Hey, folks, we'll be right back. At, or not back. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless.
0: Another program powered by the Truth Network.